Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. We're in a series that we're asking the question, what if? And this is a powerful question. When people ask what if, history changes. Christopher Columbus, he lived in a time when they thought the world was flat. And they thought if you went east or west, your boat would just fall off the earth. And he asked the question, what if the world were round? They mocked him, they made fun of him, but you and I are living in a country now that's the greatest superpower that ever existed, the wealthiest country in history, the history of the world, the freest country in the history of the world, and we're living in this country because a guy named Christopher Columbus said, what if? And this series is about you and I beginning to ask that same question concerning spiritual principles and spiritual truths and asking ourselves, what if? And last week in lesson one, we asked the question, what if we prayed more often? How could our lives change? And I was amazed, the chatter in the lobbies, people were so excited, just wanted to get to praying more. At BC Nights on Wednesday, I'm in my connect group and people are telling me how, man, that changed my prayer life. I'm praying more. It's enhancing. Yesterday when I had my prayer group, people, these are people that pray all the time. They come, man, I I had the best week of prayer. You really opened up my eyes and made me realize how powerful, how much change I can bring. And today we want to ask the question, what if we saw ourselves like God does? This would change everything in your life and everything in the lives of the people that you love and the people that you know. And a story came to mind when I thought about this lesson and I began to put it together. Many years ago, this person no longer lives in the state, I had this counseling appointment back when I did all the counseling, and this guy wanted to see me, and so I set up the appointment. I walk into the appointment, and, and this is important to say for the, for the story. This guy was really, really good-looking. He was Hollywood good-looking. He's the kind of guy that you don't want your wife to meet, and uh, so, and he's in shape at the same time, and so we're sitting there, and we're talking. I said, what, what's up? What's, what's going on in your life? And he says, I'm depressed. I have depression every day. And I said, well, what's, what, what's the source? And now I'm trying to figure out the source. Does he have a chemical imbalance? Uh, is he going to need some professional help? Or is this a result of what he's thinking on and where his mind is focused? So I'm just trying to be a surgeon, you know, in the way that I do that in counseling and figure out the problem. And, and then he said this to me. He said, I'm just really unhappy with my looks. He, he said, I just feel like I can't get the girls I want, and I'm so unattractive, and I just look in the mirror, and it bums me out for the whole day. Now, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm okay looking myself. I'm okay. Like, if you met me for the first time, you wouldn't walk away saying, boy, he's dog ugly, but uh, <laughs> I'm nowhere near handsome like this guy is, and then I'm overweight at the same time, and I'm sitting there thinking, I love myself 10 times more than he loves himself something's wrong. He's looking in a broken mirror. Something's up. So uh, I share the story to say this. I really believe that that's how so many of us see ourselves and we look at ourselves when it comes to our value, our self-worth, and all those incredible things. And the question I want you to ask is, what if we saw ourselves like God does? Because God sees you differently than you see yourself. And some of you understand how he sees you, so my goal is just take you up another notch. When God sees you, he sees 
some incredible things. And I think we're, we're going to have just incredible fun today as we talk about this. And then there are some of you, you're so new, this, you're going to walk out of here wanting to shout. And then others, you're sitting here, you're not a Christian, yet you're checking us out. Maybe you're atheist, agnostic, you're not sure, but you're saying, I'm going to go check that guy out and, and check that church out. And I want to say to you, man, when you give Jesus your heart, everything we look at today, this is what's going to happen on the inside of you. This is what you are going to become. And this is what he wants to do for each and every one of us. So we just want to ask this question. We don't want to be like this guy. And I know God doesn't get frustrated like we do, but sometimes I think God just looks at some of us and, and, and I understand he's not human, but he looks at the father and says, can you believe how Joe sees himself? I mean, look at, look at what we made that guy to be and look at how he sees himself. And, and I'm sure if God could wring his hands or shake his head, if that were possible for God to do, he would be doing that when he looks at how we see ourselves. So first thing I want to deal with is just the fact that God loves you more than you love you. This is really important. I want to read a scripture in a, in a moment. But God loves you more than you love you. And this is really, really important to understand. And it wasn't until Gina and I had kids that I really began to understand the depth of God's love. I went through Bible school. I studied the Bible. I taught on the love of God. I would teach about how much God loves us. But it wasn't until we had some kids that I realized how much God loved us. It, it was incredible. It was at that moment I realized I, I would jump in front of a gun and take a bullet for any one of my kids. It was at that moment I realized I love them no matter what they do. I care about them no matter what they do. And I just had this deep love. It was amazing. Then something else happened. We had grandkids. And that took it to another dimension. Let me tell you about grandkids. It's not that you love them more than your kids. Like our oldest is four, and then we have a two-year-old. So Joey's four, Riley's two. And I know I don't love them any more than my kids, but I, for four years I've been saying, Lord, why do I have feelings and why do I do things with them that, that I never did with my kids. And, and I, I think I figured it out. I had to know. Here, here's what I figured out. I'm not responsible for their outcome. I can enjoy them. That's all that matters, man. I'm just here to have fun with them. And it's amazing with grandkids. Like they can be sick and a runny nose. And, and my, my wife is so particular. Particular. I remember the first time I burped. I was 10 feet away from her. And we were alone, and I burped, and she gave me a look, and she just looked at me and said, you invaded my airspace. And I'm like, airspace? I didn't know it was regulated. Oh, man, this is awesome. And uh, I said, I'm 10 feet away. She goes, it's gonna, that smell's going to hit me. And uh, I'm like, oh, God, you're so particular. But with the grandkids, they can have snot running out of their nose. They can get snot on their hands and touch your face. And she, it touches her mouth. It's like, oh, it's so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> she doesn't say they're invading her airspace or anything. But I'm the same way with them. And we'll have lunch on Monday or Thursday. And, and what do we do? We just talk about the grandkids. Oh, did you see what they did? Oh, it was so cute. Did you see the smile? Did you see how they walked? And we're not the kind of grandparents that talk about our grandkids to other people. That, that's like making people watch your home movies. We, we don't torture anyone like that. But, but amongst ourselves, we're always talking about them. I think about them. I come to the office and I'm thinking about my grandkids. I'm thinking about something they did. And there's something about the fact I don't have to worry how they turn out. It's just, it, it's just all about fun. 
and here's what's cool. God loves you the same way. And God thinks about you every day, and his thoughts are really incredible towards you. So listen to this scripture. This is incredible. It's Psalms, and, and, and it reads like this, Psalm 139, verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me? And me is anybody. It's any person that's a child of God. He says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand, and when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. You know, God loves you so much that no matter how bad a day you had, no matter how bad a decade you had, when you wake up in the morning, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But not only that, look, look at verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me. This is him thinking about you, and the Bible says you can't even put a number on it. So some of you walked in here today, you woke up this morning, you're going to wake up Monday if you don't get a hold of this message, and you're going to think that God hates you, he's mad at you, he's disgusted with you, he's disappointed in you. None of us are perfect, but here's what I want you to understand. God, when he thinks about you, his thoughts are precious. It's like us with our grandkids. It doesn't matter if I said come and they didn't come. It doesn't matter if they broke a rule or they dirtied something. I'm just going to think about all the good things that they did. And God, every day, is thinking precious thoughts about you. What if we saw ourselves like God does? Would that change the way you wake up tomorrow and the way you act tomorrow? Absolutely. And when we talk about our imperfections, another story comes to mind, and I'm going to connect it to a scripture. But back when my kids were in junior high, Joe and Dave, they played basketball. And when they play basketball, I turn into a different guy because if you know me, I'm kind of quiet, I'm reserved. But when I was in the stands and they were playing basketball, I screamed at the refs and I told the refs it was a bad call. And I'm screaming and then I'm just yelling and screaming about my kids. Dave, way to dribble, Dave, that's an awesome dribble. Nice three-pointer, Dave. Joe, what a layup, what a layup. And Sheena's like elbowing me saying, shut up. <laughs> and I'm just, oh, I'm just... And, just going crazy. My friend Brent Mager, when his son Stephen came in, he would go, all right, the secret weapon's in, all right, unleash the secret weapon. And him and I were very similar in that way. And my kids weren't NBA material. I remember when Joe was playing basketball, one day he just had me alone. He said, Dad, because why did you marry such a short woman? <laughs> so I said, well... I said, when I fell in love with your mom, I wasn't thinking about producing NBA players. And, and I said, plus, it doesn't matter. I'm short anyhow, so it wasn't going to help no matter what. And, 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 you know, they weren't the greatest basketball players out there, but we raved, and I screamed, and I celebrated. You know what? I found a scripture one day that says God does that with every one of us. There's a scripture in Zephaniah, and the book of Zephaniah, he's a prophet, and, 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 and God spoke to him to rebuke Israel and correct Israel because they had gotten off the beaten trail. They were supposed to be walking this way, and they went this way, and they're practicing sin, and they've walked away from God. And so Zephaniah is speaking into their lives, trying to get them back into the middle. But right while he's doing that, he said something about how God looked at them. It blows your mind. Take, take, take a look at this. He's just like I was in the stands. It goes like this. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior who saves, he will rejoice over you with joy. Think about that, rejoicing over you. When, when 
God's up in the stands going, ooh, that was awesome the way you did that. Listen to this. It goes on and says, he will rest in silent satisfaction, and in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. I I had to read the Amplified because it brings it out so well, the Hebrew. You're waking up in the morning thinking God's grumbling about what you did wrong yesterday or what you didn't do. You didn't pray enough. You didn't do this enough. And God's saying, I'm silent about that. But, But notice what he goes on to say. It says, he will exalt over you with singing. The word exalt, that Hebrew word means to revel, gloat, leap for joy. This isn't you worshiping God. This is him rejoicing over you. And then it says with singing, the word singing means to spin and you're, you're shouting and you're, you have, it's like a shrill of rejoicing and, and, and just praising. And the Bible says that when God thinks about you, everything is a precious thought. But not only that, God rejoices over you. He's singing over you. He is, he is shouting from the stands that you're awesome and you're doing a great job. And I ask you the question, what if we saw ourselves the way God does? Would you act different when you woke up tomorrow? How about this? Let's throw something else in there. What if we looked at other Christians the way God looks at them? Would we see something of value in them even though they're failing and even though we see them you know, trapped in chains and problems? What if we could just look past that and say, there's something God made them to be that's absolutely phenomenal. It would change everything about our day, our demeanor, the atmosphere around us. And I want you to walk out of here today understanding God loves you more than you love you. And all of us, most of us, I should say, like ourselves, the majority of us, and, and it's normal to love yourself, it's normal to care about yourself, and God loves you more than you love you. Listen to this. God made you on purpose for a purpose. When God looks at you, we're looking in the God mirror, which is the Bible. God made you on purpose for a purpose. This all has to do with plans, and God planned these incredible things for you. And I always take my notes. I'm like seven weeks ahead right now with my notes. So my notes are seven weeks out from here. And I do that on purpose so that I can enhance them and I can think about them more. So I sit down with my wife and my two boys, and, and we'll do a couple lessons a week, and I'll say, guys, I'll, I'll email them the lessons early, and I say, guys, if you can think of a story, or you can think of an enhancement, or you can think of a way for me to say this that's more creative, just help me out with it. So then we sit down and we go back and forth. So we're looking at this, God made me on purpose for a purpose. I thought of that myself, by the way. And uh, um, I'm proud of that one. So... My son Joe comes up with these, these phrases. So Gina is looking at this, and she goes, you should share the sweeper story. And I looked at her. My boys don't know the sweeper story. She goes, you should share the sweeper story. I said, not the sweeper story. She said, share the sweeper story. I said, but the sweeper story will make you look bad, and I don't want you to look bad. She says, you've got to share the sweeper story. I said, well, then I have to tell them you want me to share it because I don't want them to think you're pick- I'm picking on you. So she said, share the sweeper story. So let me tell you the sweeper story. My wife, when we were first married, and she still is, super organized. And here we are, no kids yet. And she would get a pad at night, a legal pad, and she'd write her whole schedule for the next day out. So she'd write 5 a.m., wake up, exercise. 6 a.m., cook dinner. 
because she'd cook it before work so it would be there when we came home. Then 7 a.m., shower, get ready. 8 a.m., jump in the car and go. And then she'd have, you know, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., everything she was going to do. It'd all be out on the pad, and she would follow that pad to a tee. She's a planner. And so we had a week where we were really busy, and I went several days without Harley, just saying hi, Harley talking to her. And I come home one night, and she's running the sweeper. And when she runs the sweeper, it's like, you know, the perfect lines. It's like, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm too hyper. And so perfect straight lines. So I walk in the house, and I walk by her, and I say, hey! And, and, and I'm like this, and I know she, she can see me out of her peripheral if she wants to, but she doesn't look up. So then I'm like, hi, Gina, hi! And I'm screaming, just perfect lines, perfect lines. So being the cool, nice, friendly, wonderful guy I am, I go and I pull the cord out. <laughs> and then she looks up, and here's what I said. I mean, this is what I said. I said, you're the coldest woman I've ever met. And I meant emotionally cold. And I'm ticked. I said, you're the coldest woman I ever met. She looked at me, she said, what are you saying? I said, I've been home, I'm shouting, I'm saying hi, you don't even look up from the sweeper to say hi to me. I said, that's cold. So she starts, it, it breaks, she laughs. She goes, honey, I'm just, I'm just trying to get a task done. I have three more things on my pad I have to do, and I've gotta get this done. And we laughed about it, and I let her know it's important you know, to say hi when, when you see somebody after a long day. And we talked about that. And, and so I shared the story. Here's why she wanted me to share it. God's even more organized than Gina. He's planned your life out. Not, not, a, not a day, your life. And what I mean by that is he's planned these incredible things that he's created you to do. It's already planned out. Now, the nice thing about God, if he's running the sweeper, he'll stop and say hi to you. But let's, let, let's, read, a, let's read a scripture. Here's Psalm 139, 15 and 16. It reads like this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. So God saw you before you were born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. That's planning. But now let's, let's, let's add a scripture to it that makes you want to shout. You ready? Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. You know the plans I have for you, and you as anybody that's in God's family, this is God speaking, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So the plans God has for you, can we all agree they're positive? These are pretty good plans. They're, they're to prosper you, they're to give you hope, they're to give you a future. They were recorded and planned out before you took your first breath. God has these incredible things he created you to do, guys. It's, it's, it's incredible. What if we saw ourselves the way God does? Would that change how you look at your life if you understood that? Let me, let me say this to you. I'm convinced of this. I, I'm 100% convinced. On Judgment Day, Christians will stand before, not the great white throne, we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And that judgment isn't, deter isn't to determine if you get to go to heaven. That was decided when you accepted Jesus. That judgment is to, 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 to judge our life and to give us rewards for how we lived as a Christian. So how did you live as a Christian? And the Bible teaches that people will cry during that time, will weep. 
And I really believe, and not everybody, but some, I really believe what will cause people to cry will be this. I'm convinced, 100%. God's going to take out what he wrote in the book. He's going to say, this is what I created you to be and do. And then he's going to compare it to what we did. <laughs> and when we see what we could have done and what we could have been, we're going to cry. We're going to say, oh my goodness, I allowed life. I allowed the enemy. I allowed my, my, my insecurity. I allowed all these things. I allowed the world. I allowed it to stop me from doing things that you created me to do. And I want you to think about it. What if we saw ourselves the way God does? Would we wake up in the morning excited? Hey, God, God planned my life out. If you're in here, and my wife had a friend in school. She called him Boo-Boo. And she didn't know why. Everybody called him Boo-Boo. And one day she asked her dad, who was friends with his parents, she said, why'd they name him Boo-Boo? Here's, here's what her dad said. He said, well, uh, we didn't want another kid, and he came unexpectedly, so we just gave him the nickname Boo-Boo. Can you all agree that's not a good nickname to give your kids? Even if you were a boo-boo, or worse, you know, human beings don't write the plans. God does, guys. And the Bible says the worse your situation is, the more God likes to receive glory. And I think the people that grew up with parents that don't love them, I think the people that were unwanted the most, I think God wrote the most incredible plans for them to accomplish. And here they are believing a lie that I'm not wanted. I don't, uh, you know, I'm a nobody. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't have anything because I was born in this way or that way. And here's God up in heaven saying, I wrote the most spectacular plans for you. And how do you get these into your life? The Bible says we can pray for him to put his will in our life. And he'll begin to put these desires in our life. So my goal is to help you See yourself like God does and begin to say, God, I know you have plans for me. I know they're to prosper me. I know you, have, you want me to have a future with hope. And we begin to pray and ask God to put those things inside of us. And he'll show us what we're created for. And it's amazing. You know, you'll be part of a team. You'll do something in a church. You'll do something that's significant. And as a part of the team, you'll, 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 enable, you'll enable us to connect a whole city with God. And then there's other things that God called you to do that are spectacular. How about this one? I love this next one. God gave you a gift to give it away. That is pretty, pretty cool. And I, I was trying to think of how to say this without being religious sounding. God put a gift in you that's not of this earth. It's supernatural. It has nothing to do with your natural abilities. It's a gift. And if you can tap into it and begin to operate in it, and, it, and all of our gifts are different, it changes everything. It's a gift. It's supernatural. And it helps so much to understand that there's these gifts in us that are from heaven. Let me read two scriptures, and I want to tell you a story about this. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 say this, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. And, and then it says, and he gave gifts to men. And this is not just the preacher gift, the evangelist gift. Listen to 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So God gave you a gift to give it away. And there's something in you that will change the world that you live in. It's that supernatural, guys. It changes everything. So when I stand up here to minister, I'm not ministering out of my head. I'm pulling out of here. I, I, you guys know I, I'm seven weeks ahead with my notes. I, I want to get up to three months. But I'm telling you that I'm not teaching out of my head. 
I'm pulling it out of here. There's a gift. And it's, this is an interesting story. And once you know it, you start to pull from it, is what I was trying to say. Interesting story. Um, back when I was a senior in high school, my brother Tony and I, we loved bodybuilding, so we flew out to L.A., and we wanted to see Gold's Gym. This is before Gold's Gym was well-known. We knew it because we were bodybuilders, and we loved Arnold and all that kind of stuff. And so we wanted to see Gold's Gym, and we went out there, and I worked out with Arnold, and I said, come on, Arnold, you can do it. Give me one more, you know, and, uh, and I, I changed his life with that one workout, but uh, <laughs> actually, he wasn't there, but uh, I was on Muscle Beach, and, you know, and Tony and I are taking dimensions, and we're writing down every machine, and, and, and I, I set up an interview with the owner, and we're talking to Ken Sprague, who owned it, and we're asking him all these questions, and then we came back here, and we opened the Still Valley Barbell Club. We just emulated that copied Gold's Gym. This is before there were those franchises. And so we're in Boardman. That's where we opened it. And it's going well. And I just had an idea. I, I had an idea. Um, I had a couple Boardman football players that were lifting at the gym, just one or two. And they were telling me how terrible their facilities, their weightlifting facilities were at that time. Th this is the, the late 70s. And so uh, I thought, I'm going to go talk to their coach and see if I can train the entire team. Tony goes, Joe, you're crazy. He goes, you've never done that. I said, no, I, I can do that, Tony. I can do it. So I go over. It was Gene Pushik or something. And I make an appointment with him. And I said, hey, your facilities are really inferior to ours. So you need to come see him. I said, I can train your whole team. I can put 5, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds of muscle on every guy in this place if you just let me train him. And so he comes and looks. And, and I sell it to him. I'm 18. And I sell it to him. And, and uh, so he's going to bring up the whole team. And Bernie Kozar was a freshman and a sophomore when I trained the team. So uh, it, I'm the one that helped him be great, you guys. I want you to know that. <laughs> he won't even remember me, believe me. So I trained him, trained his team. But Tony, Tony says, uh, Joe, what are you going to do now? You have, to, you, have to, you have to present. You have to do this presentation. Uh, how are you going to... Uh, what are you going to train them on? What are they going to use? And I, I, all these ideas just came, and I'm just, I made these charts. Back then, no computers. I had to take it to a typesetter, and then I had it printed. And Tony's like, oh, this, oh, this is really good, Joe. I go, yeah. He goes, they're going to come up tonight. You ready? I go, yeah. He goes, what are you going to say? I said, it doesn't matter. I said, it would just come out of me. I'll be okay. And, and uh, so he's like a nervous wreck. And I said, Tony, don't worry. So I get up there 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and I'm having fun, and I'm la getting them laughing, and I'm telling them about their workout and what's going to happen in their training. And when we're all done, Tony, I go in the office and they're all gone. He goes, how did you do that? I said, Tony, I have no clue. It just comes to me. That's a gift. It, it's, it's been there from, from my birth. Sometimes God puts them in your birth. Sometimes when you're, you accept Christ, but it's just there. I said, I can't tell anyone how to do it. It's just there. I can enhance it. I can learn skills but it's there, and that's what I want to say to you. It's there. Now, I, ha I have brothers, like my brother Tony is, like when he was in high school, he, he, he was in woodshop, and I went two years. It didn't help, but uh, he made a magazine table that won state. It was number one, the best magazine table in the state competition. Mine didn't get into the state competition. It was so messy, my mom and dad wouldn't put it anywhere in the house. I know all about, I watched my dad fix cars for years. My brother John can take a car, tear it apart, put it back together. I envy him. I can't believe it. He is so incredibly gifted, and he can do it like nothing. And I'm telling you, I can barely work a screwdriver. 
I mean, Gina says a light bulb needs change. I said, I think I, can, I think I know how to do that. I'll try my best. And, and uh, I don't have gifts in certain areas, but I have gifts in other areas. And here's, here's the reason I tell you all this stuff. There's something from heaven inside you that can change the world you and I live in. And when God sees you, he sees the gift. And what would happen if you and I start looking at each other and we said, you know what, I see a mess, yeah. I see someone that's struggling. I see someone that's not pursuing God right now. I see someone trapped in chains. But they're also a gift inside that person. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna begin to pray that that gift comes out of them. What about our kids, guys? I, I did this with my kids, I'm telling you. I realized when my kids were little, every one of them had a gift from heaven. And here's what I would pray, Lord, show them their gift early. Lord, let them see what their gift is. Lord, I pray that they would flow in that gift because we can do all kinds of things, but when we start to touch something that's our gift, it changes everything. I'm amazed every weekend when I sit here and Brandon leads worship. He's just got gifts in him. And it, it's, just, it's just amazing. I think of how he fills the room and I think of how easy everything comes to him. I took piano lessons for a year and a half this is seven years ago. I wanted to play, I took piano lessons for a year and a half and I couldn't play Mary Had a Little Lamb. And it's embarrassing. But nothing made sense. I, I wanted to be like on stage and be, you know, like, look at what he played. I couldn't play anything. Brandon sits down and it's like heaven comes into a room. And it's amazing what gifts do. And I want to leave you with this thought, guys. What if we saw ourselves the way God does? What if we began to look and we realized God loves, what if we woke up tomorrow and said, God's happy with me. God smiled because I got out of bed. God smiled because I'm going through my day. God's thinking precious thoughts about me. How many Christians walk through the day thinking, God's thinking special thoughts, precious thoughts about me. How about God's rejoicing over who I am. He's rejoicing over me. Oh my goodness, God planned my life out. There's something good that's gonna happen this week and there's something significant I'm called to do. God gave me a gift and I'm gonna begin to flow in that gift. I'm gonna begin to use that gift. How would our life change if we began to see what we have? How many of you are excited that we looked in a God mirror today? I don't know about you, I'm excited, man. Yeah, let's close our eyes, let's look up to heaven. Lord, I've done my best to teach some incredible Bible principles. And Lord, I thank you for every precious person that's in this room. Some of them know you. Some of them know you just recently. Some of them know you as well as I do, if not better. And Lord, some of them know who they are and what you've done, and others, it's brand new. But Lord, for all of us, would you open our eyes up further? Lord, we, 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 we ask the question, what if we saw ourselves like God does? Lord, let us see ourselves like you do. Open up our spiritual eyes and take the words I spoke and the scriptures I read and change us forever because we were in church today, Lord God. Lord, let this be the most incredible week of just covers coming off of Bible revelations and us understanding things. And Lord, for every person in this room that came in struggling and disappointed and and. and trapped in sin or whatever it is, Lord, a, a problem, I thank you that this will be a week of freedom for every single one of us. Because, Lord, when we see ourselves like you do, 
then we can do what you said and asked us to do. So I thank you that this is going to be a change in every one of our lives. Church, can we just bow our heads, close our eyes, keep praying? You stay right there where you're at, but I want to give an invitation, maybe for some people that are here that aren't sure of their tomorrow, their future, their eternity. Every week we have people walk in here, they'll tell me, I was agnostic, I was atheist, I didn't believe in God. And, and then they accept Christ. They, they, they see the light. And I always think about when I saw the light and it changed everything, and I just want people to be able to see the light. And only God can turn the light on, and only God can show us Jesus. So I'm not asking you to join our church or join a religion. I'm not asking you to leave your church or leave whatever you're doing. I'm asking you the most important question in all the universe, what have you done with Jesus? Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, and the Bible says whoever calls on his name, he'll save them. But the Bible also says only God can open our eyes up to who Jesus is, and I believe he's done that today. And there are people sitting here saying, yeah, Pastor Joe, I believe that. I'm ready to pray. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready to pray, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? And just simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I, I know I'm a sinner, and I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe what the Bible says about you. Thank you for dying for my sins. And I receive you today as my Savior. And I make you Lord of my life. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.